Well, it's time for part 10 of 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 6 today, so if you want to if you want to jump over to the end of chapter 6, that's where we're going to be at. I titled this message, It's Time to Clean House. And I'm going to be honest, this is going to be a message that might step on your toes a little bit. So don't turn me off yet. You need to hear this. I hope I don't, you know, I don't click off or whatever. We need to hear these things. My prayer is that we get a deeper understanding of the Word of God, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit guides us into a place that we grow in a stronger relationship with Him. These messages need to challenge us. That's why we go through books of the Bible section by section so that we don't hide from anything that God's trying to teach us. So a time to clean house. Have you ever seen the show Hoarders? I don't know if you've ever watched the show. I don't even know what channel it's on. Uh, channels mean nothing to me anymore. Is it, it's more like, is it on Hulu or is it on Netflix? Is it on Prime Video or Peacock now? Or, you know, we, I don't know what channels are anymore. I don't know what networks are anymore. I think you may be in the same boat as me. But this show Hoarders, if you've ever watched it, it can be kind of disgusting. You kind of go, how do people live like this? But the show goes in and goes into somebody's house. There's kind of like a little intervention. Uh, family members are concerned about somebody. They go in and it's just wall-to-wall -wall stuff. It might be garbage. It could be anything. You've seen them where some of them have multiple animals and there's just feces everywhere. Some of those places are just absolutely crazy. Some of them are just full of stuff. Jennifer and I, when we lived in Lakeland, Florida, our next door neighbor was a hoarder. I never saw the inside of her house, but she had this station wagon and it was packed from top to bottom, back to front, passenger seat, you could only sit in the driver's seat. And then she'd leave the windows open so the neighborhood cats could jump in and get out of the weather. Uh, she did the same thing in her house. Um, she was the sweetest lady you'd ever meet, but she lived in this little one, one bedroom apartment next to us. And, and I remember she got a new station wagon and I thought, oh man, she's gonna have this brand new station wagon. She's gonna, within two days, it was packed from top to bottom, front to back, passenger seat everywhere again. I don't understand that mentality to some degree. I get it a little bit, but man, some people just feel like they have to hold on to everything. And if you've ever seen the show, when they start to clean things out, it reveals sometimes mold. It reveals structural damage in their homes. The, just the, the overall health of somebody that's living in a house like that is, is compromised because of the things that were hidden behind all of the stuff. It's really the same thing in our lives. Their homes are literally killing them. They're blind to all the stuff that's around them. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to them. And it's the same thing in our lives. We get blind to all the stuff that's accumulated in our lives. I know it's frustrating to me. I'll, I'll leave my home for a little bit, go to somebody else's house, see everything that's there, come home and see all my own clutter. But you're blind to it when you live in it every day. You don't realize that it's there. Well, it's time to clean house. And that's kind of what Paul's gonna talk about a little bit in 2 Corinthians, we're gonna start at verse 14, but we're gonna do a little bit of house cleaning in God's temple. And you'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. But in verse 14 of chapter six of 2 Corinthians, it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. 
How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Did you catch that last part of that verse? And that's 16a. There's more to, to verse 16. If you're looking at your Bible, you'll realize we're going to get into that a little bit more in a, in a minute. Uh, I hope you realize that when, when people came centuries later and decided to put chapters and verses in Scripture to help us remember it better, that they didn't really take a good time to, to check and see where those things fell. That's why you could be halfway through a chapter and go, oh, that thought goes partially into the next one. Don't know why they did that, but it was done. But the first thing I want you to understand is we are the temple of the living God. That's the first point today. We are God's temple. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to be a temple of God? Well, a temple is the dwelling place of God. If you look on dictionary.com, there's several different definitions, but one of them is the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, if you go all the way back to Moses, when they left Egypt, they set up a tent of meeting for God's presence to dwell. And then later on, they built a bunch of temporary temples. And then Solomon built the first temple. And then there's been a couple because they've been destroyed as you go throughout the history. But the temple was the place for God's presence to dwell. And, and the temple had all these different areas that people could go to. And, and, and Gentiles could only go into one area, and then the Jews could go a little bit deeper. But only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the altar was, and where the presence of God was to dwell. That was the temple. So you had all of these things going on. If you remember, if, if you, if you remember back in three of the four Gospels, when it records that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn in two. That veil separated the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And if you remember the history, only the high priest could go in once a year into the Holy of Holies. And he had to go through all the rituals and purification processes to get his sins covered enough for him to enter into that. And if he didn't do them just right, he would be killed immediately by entering the presence of God. Matter of fact, they tied a rope around his waist with bells on it so that if he stepped in not purified correctly, he would die and they'd hear the bells and then they'd pull the rope out because they couldn't enter as well. Kind of a, kind of a sobering thought, wasn't it? To be in the presence of God, God cannot abide with sin. And so somebody in the Old Testament would have to go through all the sacrifices and purification process just to enter in to that place. And it was only the high priest. That's how serious it was to be in the presence of God. And yet we have Paul who tells us that we are the temple of God. That God's Spirit dwells in us, that we house the presence of God. It's no longer in that one room in the Holy of Holies. Jesus split that temple veil open and now we have access to God, but God's presence, when we come to Him as believers, God's presence dwells in us. Unbelievers, you're missing out. But when we come into a place where we give our lives to God, where we yield to Him and we ask Jesus 
to, that's why we always said in the old days to ask Jesus to come into our lives. It's really the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God coming into our lives. We're asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins through the sacrifice that He did. And then God's Spirit dwells within us. Now, keeping that in mind, God cannot dwell with sin. So we have to clean out the house of God. So if we are the temple of God, we need to clean the sin out of our lives. Now Jesus' blood, through the sacrifice that He did, removes that sin from us. But as we all know, we're in a process of getting rid of that sin. I don't know how many, I don't know about you, but I know that I still sin. I don't intentionally sin. I try not to sin. But there are times that I still sin. I need to clean those areas out of my life. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to reveal those things to us so that we can work on them and clean them. Remember, we're not perfect. We're moving towards that relationship with God. And God, through His grace, gives us relationship before we're perfectly clean. But in God's eyes, through the blood of Jesus, we are made right. I know it can be confusing. And I hope I'm not confusing you. And, and if you're struggling with it, please... Click with uh, and, and ask for prayer and chat with one of the hosts that are on there. Or if you're in, you know, if you come in person, we can talk. We no longer need that high priest in our presence. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that, you, that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So since we're the temple of God, since God's Spirit lives in us as believers, shouldn't we be careful what we bring into the temple? Shouldn't we be careful what comes into our lives? Maybe by what we watch? Even physically, man, we need to take care of our bodies. I'm not saying you have to be a total health nut that you can't enjoy some things, but we need to take care of ourselves. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We honor God with every part of our lives. So we have to be careful. So the first thing is we're the temple. The second thing is be careful who you partner with. Be careful who you partner with. Verses 14 and 15 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Now, I want to, this, this is my prayer for this that you don't go off course in your thinking really quickly. Because there's a lot of legalism that can be done in here, and I want you to have a proper understanding of what Paul's trying to say here and what he's trying to do. Our core relationships, our closest relationships, we need to guard them and make sure we're putting the right people in our lives, the right influence in our lives that will draw us closer to God and not pull us away. Paul's not saying don't associate with unbelievers. If we never associated with unbelievers, we'd never bring anybody to Christ. You've heard me say dozens of times that if I'm walking with Jesus and I invite somebody to walk with me, eventually they're going to meet Jesus. 
That's a part of that. We have relationship with unbelievers. Every single one of us should have relationship with unbelievers. But our core, innermost relationships need to be with a believer. It even goes into business. If you go into business with somebody that's not a believer, and I'm talking about ownership of a business. Obviously, we all work with unbelievers on, on different levels. Maybe not inside the church, but sometimes I wonder. But you, you get this idea that if you don't have the same moral balance, if you don't have the same guidance of the Holy Spirit, when you work with somebody that's not a believer, they might compromise some of your values and it creates conflict. It's the same thing in marriage. Paul talks about it, um, I believe it's in Ephesians, when he talks about you know, being married to an unbeliever. Now, sometimes people come to Christ after they've been married and their spouse isn't a believer. And Paul says, look, as much as you can, stay with that person and hopefully you can redeem that person as well. But when you go into these relationships, especially these core relationships, they need to be with believers. Man, it's so vital in a marriage. But I love him or I love her. But see, here's the thing. When it comes to raising your kids, you have different values. When it comes to core important decisions and you're wanting to pray and they're just like, let's do it. You're not in line. Our closest relationships, the people we confide in, the people that we ask for help, those close, tight relationships need to be believers. And here's why, because they have influence over us and we have influence over them. Remember last week we talked about stumbling blocks? When we allow unbelievers to have that much influence into our lives, they can become stumbling blocks to our relationship with God. They can pull us away. They can be like, oh, quit being such a prude. Come on, just do this. It'll be fine. And you find yourself laughing at things you wouldn't laugh at. You find yourselves becoming blind to the clutter that's coming inside your heart and into the temple of God. Because we begin filling the temple of God with all this stuff. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. You know, even in the show Hoarders, some of the things that they're holding on to are good things. But they become clutter. They become dangerous because they, they, they pull away from, for that, for that, a house. It makes the house unsafe. For us, it clutters us so that we can no longer sense the presence of God in our lives. No longer do we have the same influence because we've allowed all these other things to come in and influence us away from what God's trying to do. Now hear me, I'm not telling you that you can't have hobbies, that you can't have friends that, that don't believe the same as you. I encourage you, when you're grounded in your faith and you are solid in your relationship with God, by all means, you need to be building relationships with unbelievers so that they can come to know Christ. But you need to be firm in your relationship with Him. Do you know that some, uh, some versions of this say, uh, if you read like the King James, it says to not be unequally yoked. The reason that terminology was used because it was mostly a farming culture. And if you ever saw oxen, there was this yoke that would go over the shoulders of the oxen and they would, they would team them up in pairs of two to plow the fields. 
Well, if you had one really strong oxen and you had one really weak oxen, would they plow straight? Would it work well? No. Either the, the really strong one would wear out quickly or they would, they would go crooked. It just didn't work well. The same things are in our relationships. That's why God created the church so that our core relationships could be around the church that we would be knit together as a family of believers that care one for another. I get so excited and, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna brag on, on Kennesaw Family Life Church for just a few minutes. We have a great family. There are some that are shut in right now because of COVID and others have went to the store to get prescriptions, to pick up food, to get supplies. When somebody is sick, they've been going and helping. When somebody needs a ride, they've been given rides, borrowing cars. Everything that it talks about in, Acts, in, in the book of Acts about the church and how it's supposed to operate said there was no need among them because they would sell things and give things and do things to care for the needs of one another. That's what this Christ, the body of Christ is supposed to be about. So those core relationships, we take care of each other. If you haven't engaged in a connection group, if you haven't gotten involved, if this is the only time that you're involved with us, you're missing out on a level of relationship that is truly the church, truly the body of Christ as a whole. We care for one another. Read the book of Acts and see how the church cared for each other's needs. Now let me give you an example out of the Old Testament of somebody that was unequally yoked. 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to go all the way back to King Solomon, who was David's son. Now David, we know, was a man after God's own heart. We know that he sinned a lot. But yet he repented and he went after God. Never did David waver in his relationship with God. That's why he's known as the greatest king in Israel until Jesus came. But in verse 1 of 1 Kings, I'm going to read through verse 6. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That guy was insane. I have a hard time caring for my own wife, let alone 700 wives, a thousand women. He cared for. The guy was nuts. So they said he was the wisest man, but yet he missed it. And in fact, they did, look at this at the, after he says that, in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Now look at this. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, and his father David, as his father David had been. Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Moloch was into human sacrifice. Man, it was crazy. So, in, an, in this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely, as his father David had done. Now, if you read a little bit further, it says that God's anger burned against him, and they tore the kingdom away from him. Out of Solomon's lust, 
the women that came into his light, life turned his heart away from God. I've seen that happen in relationships. 12, 13 years of youth ministry, I watched young kids get into relationships with other people and I watched their hearts get turned to things that it shouldn't have gotten turned to. Our core relationships need to be with people that have the same values, heading the same direction as we are. Remember, our relationship with God, the bullseye, if you were to put that bullseye there, Jesus is the center of that bullseye. We're all in different places in that, but we're all moving in that same direction. That's why we can come together as a family of, of God. Some of us are closer to that bullseye than others, but we're all pulling towards that same direction. We're all moving in the same way. So we need to make sure we're tying ourselves to the right people, those close relationships. When you struggle, when you need counseling, when you're, when you're hurting, do you turn to somebody in the church or do you go and rant to your neighbor or to even a family member that doesn't believe can sometimes turn your heart from God? Be wise in that. The third thing today is to clean the temple. And this is where it gets kind of sticky on our toes. So if you remember, we only read the first part of chapter, uh, verse 16 of chapter 6. We're going to read 16 through uh, chapter 7, verse 1. It says, And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. And separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises. Now look at those promises. He promises that he will walk among us, dwell among us, that we will be his sons and daughters. And it says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Remember, I talked about fear as the respect of God. Not that we cower and tremble under that God's going to smite us. But we fear Him because we respect Him. We honor Him. We want to do what's right by Him. So we need to cleanse the temple towards complete holiness. The word holiness in many church circles has kind of gotten a negative connotation behind it because Satan has taken good things and tainted them. We had holiness churches that were so holiness driven that they became legalistic. That you couldn't wear jewelry and that you had to wear your hair a certain way and you do all these things and they were good things. They were intended to draw us closer to God and to keep us from evil, but then they became legalism. That's like when I was in college and back a few years ago, especially up north, this was a bigger thing because things were more formal, but I knew a professor in college that went to a church and he was turned away because he didn't have a coat and tie. That's kind of a legalism. Now, we don't want to go there, but holiness, what holiness means is to be set apart, that we set our apart our lives for God. That means that we be careful what we put in. That's why um, our kids have struggled with this 
and, and many others, we love movies. But we are very careful on what we put into our lives through movies. And when our kids were young, we didn't let them watch certain movies because we didn't want that to clutter or change the way they view God. Think about movies that have extreme amount of language in them. Maybe you don't use that language, but the more you watch them, the next thing you know, that language is starting to come out of your mouth. If you have a lot of, if you're watching a lot of things that have very sensual things in them, it starts your mind racing towards other things. We have to be careful what we put into the temple of God. They say, well, I've got a great relationship with God. I can look past those things. Well, the more you fill your temple, the more blind you become to those things and the further you begin to drift away from your relationship with God. Don't clutter the temple. Strive towards holiness. Philippians tell us to fill our minds with things that are good and pure and holy. That's why the main influences in our lives need to be things that are driving us towards the bullseye, not pulling us away. Driving us towards Christ and not away. Nobody is immune. The more we fill our minds with these things, the more consumed we get. That's why pornography has such a hold over young men and women now. That's why when they find these people that do these heinous crimes, they usually find pornography at a very young age that it fills their minds, it consumes and warps the way they think. It is a warped way of thinking that says, that, that, that justifies child pornography and, and pedophilia. But yet there is a movement through the pornography movement that is driving to make that acceptable because it's warped. We need to clean the temple. We need to strive towards holiness. That should always be our goal is to strive towards holiness, not piousness, not legalism, not I'm holier than thou, but holiness in our lives that comes out through the way we live so that people can see Christ in us. I'm sick and tired of pious Christians that look down on others because they think they're better than them by the way they live. That's just pride. But a piousness that reflects in the way we love, that reflects in the way we give, that reflects in the way we treat others. True holiness changes what comes out of us and how we love and how we live. Tonight we're going to be going through everybody always. If you've not been a part of this study, we're only a couple weeks in. You can jump in. You can catch up. I promise you these things draw us closer to God not away. It's time for us to move towards God, to stop accumulating all this junk in our lives and to clean house so that we can get closer to God. Stop making excuses and clean house. I might step on a few toes. I don't know. 
It's not meant to put you down. It's not meant to make you feel bad about who you are. It's meant to show you that we've got to get, it's really kind of to wake us up. When you watch the show Hoarders, some of the people never get it. But others wake up to what's going on and when they see the things cleaned out, they realize this is how I really want to live. This is truly freedom. When we clean the stuff out of the temple, we get a relationship with God that is so freeing, that is unparalleled. We find peace and joy like never before. Part of the reason we don't find peace, part of the reason we have anxiety and fear is we're holding on to the clutter in our lives. We're afraid of what it will look like if that stuff is revealed. We're afraid of what it will look like if that stuff is cleaned out. We think that we're going to lose something when actually we're gaining a deeper relationship with God, a deeper sense of peace, and a bigger sense of adventure. Because truly following God is the greatest adventure we'll ever have. But we're afraid we're losing things. What's clutter in your life? Are your children clutter in your life? Now I know that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But let me give you an example. Are you so consumed in doing and giving your child everything? Protecting them from everything? that you never let them live their own life and you lose your identity in them. Now, I'm not saying to get rid of your child, but I'm saying to put things in the right perspective. Number one priority in your life is a relationship with God. Number one priority. It's above family. It's above everything else. If you have kids, if you're married, your family comes in there second. It's time to clean house. So as we kind of just wrap this up a little bit, what's cluttering your heart today? We need to clean it out. Are you consumed with movies and media and social media and other things, maybe not even bad things, but they're getting in the way, in the way of your relationship with God? Has your work or other relationships got in the way of God? Has your busyness got in the way of your relationship with God? Now again, some of these things are good things and they don't need to totally go away. They just need to be put in the right place. We need to clean out the clutter and get down to the things that are important. We need to make sure we're filling our lives with the presence of God first and foremost. We've all seen the example of the jar and... and you know, if you put all the little rocks in, you'll never have time for the big rocks, and the big rocks are the important things in our lives. But if you put the big rocks in, the little rocks can kind of fill in the gaps. And then I love the illustration when I've seen it done, and 
somebody comes in and pours a cup of coffee in there and says, well, there's always time for a cup of coffee with friends. I think it's a great illustration. I didn't even intend to share it. Just kind of came to mind just a minute ago. But it's true. We need to focus on the important things. And that big rock is our relationship with God. It should be. It should be the biggest rock in the jar. Then our family and our jobs and those things are smaller rocks. And then eventually we can fill it in with our hobbies and our other things that bring us joy. That's part of taking care of ourselves, having that relationship with God. We need to fix the issues. You know, in Hoarders, we talked about they would reveal mold and structural damage. Man, we were watching one not too long ago. We were watching the show and they went to clear stuff out. And as they started to clear stuff out, they realized that if they were to move the stuff, the floor of the house would have fallen because it the, literally the junk in the home was holding the rafters up because there was so much stuff upstairs that the weight was bending and breaking the rafters of the house. So they literally come in and shore up the structure just to clean the house out. Got to fix the issues. That clutter in our lives sometimes hides the issues that are deep down inside. Lust, pride, anger. Fix the issues. I promise you that if you fix the issues, God's blessing is going to be on your lives. He's going to be with you. You're not going to lose anything. Nobody within this church is going to look down on you and condemn you. There are some stories inside this church that would probably freak you out if you knew them. But the truth is that God's grace is bigger than that. He covers up those sins and we are no longer that person. We're a new person in Christ. So get rid of your addiction to pornography. Man, if you need some counseling, if you need some confession, the people on the prayer line, they're there. It's confidential. Call us at the church. You can talk to us. We're not going to look down on you. We're not going to throw you out. We want you to grow closer to God. We want the sin to get out. We want to fix the issues through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. I want to read this today as we wrap up. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Do you see that? Truly righteous and holy. That's our new nature. That's where we should be. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, let, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Didn't say anger was a sin, but the controlling of you is. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for the good, work, good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, his, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. 
as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. There was a lot there. We could unpack an entire message series just off of those verses. But here's the thing. We are a new creation in Christ. So that means through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're getting rid of all those old behaviors. And we're replacing them with new behaviors. Ones that will lift others up. Ones that will help us to care for the needs of each other. Ones that are going to give us blessing and anointing to do God's work. See how that works? Paul's telling us, look, we know you're a believer already. It's time to clean the house. I don't care if you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years. There's always things in our house that needs to be cleaned. There's always areas of our lives that we could give a little bit more to God and we could get things out of it. I know it's in my own life. I've had to clean out some clutter. I've had to rearrange things so that the first part of my morning is given to God. It's a sacrifice. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I still miss it. But we've got a clean house today. This is an ongoing process for the rest of our lives. We're going to have sin in our lives. We need to eradicate that sin and get it out of us as soon as we can. So if we don't keep a lot of clutter in our lives, sin has nowhere to hide. Sin has nowhere to dwell because we can wipe it out. The blood of Jesus covers that sin. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is the day. Give your heart to Him today. Allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and begin to clean out the stuff, the hurt, the pain, the fear, the anxiety. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to clean your life. Sin is like a cancer in our lives. If we don't deal with it, it spreads throughout our bodies. And here, it's more like a virus. You know, we're in COVID. We can talk about this for a minute. Sin's more like that because once we have it and if we don't deal with it, not only does it spread throughout our lives like a cancer and kills us, but it also will spread to the people closest to us if they don't have a right relationship with God and we become stumbling blocks to them. I will celebrate everyone that does everything they can to grow their relationship with God and not make excuses. I'm with you. 100%. I don't care the sins. I don't care the struggle. But if you're moving towards God, I am with you. It's time to stop making excuses and just to move forward one step at a time. Not perfection. I don't care if you're still struggling. I don't care if it's hard. I want to walk with you through that struggle. That's why God's given us each other. To walk together. And as we walk through these difficult times, as we walk through these hard places together, eventually we're going to get on the other side and it'll be worth it. 
There's always going to be more hard places. There's always going to be more difficult things. But they become a little bit easier because we know we have people with us walking together. Because we're all on our way to that bullseye. We're all on that way to that stronger and deeper relationship with God. I'm going to leave you with this and then we're going to pray. Paul finished this with verse 1 of chapter 7 because we have these promises that we're children of God, sons and daughters of God. That He's going to walk with us. These are the promises. Dear friends, let us cleanse everything from our... Um, from everything that can defile our body and spirit and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. How do we clean house? Well, one, it's by reading the Word of God and realizing that God's speaking to us through it. Sometimes He gives us conviction. That's the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you have two things. You have prayer. I pray before I read the Bible that God will show me new things, that God will work through me to show me what needs to be done. I do that same thing when I prepare a message. I pray. Yes, I read commentaries and all those things, but really the Holy Spirit leads me. Sometimes I have preached the same passage the same way for years, and then I'll read it again, and the Holy Spirit will say, well, what about this? That's why we can read the Bible over and over again, and God can show us new things. Not that conflict, it's not that the Bible changes, it's that if there's so much depth there, and we're at so many different places in our lives that it can speak to us in different ways at different points in our life. So prayer, Scripture, allowing the Holy Spirit to do that work in your life, to bring that conviction. Holy Spirit's the one that brings you to Christ. He's the one that gives you that conviction, that nervousness, that you know you need to do something. It's the Holy Spirit in your life. Then take steps to be obedient. Go to people that you know and trust in the church and ask them to help you with these things, to pray with you. To walk with you. Not in judgment or condemnation, but to help you clean out the houses, to clean out the temple of God. So as we pray today, you have a choice. You can turn off the feed, and continue to build clutter in the house of God and bring weakness to your relationship with Him. Or you can make what we call an altar right where you're at. An altar is a place of worship to God. Get on your knees before Him. You can stand and raise your hands. You can get on your face before God today and ask Him to clean out that temple. We're going to give you just a few seconds here or you can just check out for a minute and just get right with God Pastor Jennifer is going to be playing in the background don't be in a hurry when we talk about pressing in that's just going hard after God and just continuing to pray and pray and pray until God opens that door Sometimes God just wants to know how passionate you are to get closer to Him. So take a few minutes and pray.
Father, we come before you. Lord, we confess our sins to you today. Lord, lust, holding on to anger and bitterness and rage, pride, envy. Lord, we pray that you would wipe those things out of our lives. Father, I pray that you would clean our houses today, clean the temple today. Give us the strength to live for you in a deeper relationship today. Lord, we commit our lives to you. Lord, we're going to stay today is the day that we start praying more. Today is the day that we start digging into your word more. Today is the day that we build stronger relationships in the church so that we can grow closer to you, Jesus. Lord, we want to be a temple that is pleasing to you, that your Holy Spirit can dwell in, that we leave room for you, the biggest part of our lives. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that you go before us today. I thank you for what you've done this morning and what you're going to do through the rest of our lives as we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Please, if you need more prayer, if you need more time, take it. It doesn't matter if this feed is done. If you want somebody to pray with you, please click on it. We will be there to pray with you and then engage in what's going on in the church. The website has it, KennesawFamilyLifeChurch.org. You can get the Zoom numbers for the small groups. Make sure we have your email or if you do text, we text out reminders of what's going on. Make sure we have your phone number so that you can stay connected to what's happening in our church. God bless you. Have a great week.